It's really good to see you this morning. Thank you for coming. I know you had other options, and that'll be true all summer long, right? The beach is calling. Um, anyway, it's a lovely thing to be together and to worship our Lord and to take this time just to uh, orient our hearts toward him and lift up our voices toward him in song and, uh, and open our minds to what Christ wants to say to us today. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this book and we've been, many of us have been reading this book called Surprise the World. And uh, it's, it's come up with this uh, acronym, BELLS. And if you look here at the Bless, Eat, Listen, Learn, and Scent, uh, BELLS is the acronym. The B for BELLS is, help me now, what are we supposed to do? Bless others. So we're people who are called to bless other people. And the goal has been to, have, to bless three people each week. Somebody who's in the church, somebody who's outside, has nothing to do with the church, and then somebody else at random. So we're people, we're blessers out here in the world. And the L, E, (laughs) jumping the gun. The E is for eat. So the goal was to eat with three people, someone from the church, someone from outside the church who has nothing to do with the church, and somebody else at random. So eating with people is this thing where barriers are broken down, we spend time, we're chatting over food and so on, and it's sort of this welcoming, connecting thing that's so powerful. The first L is for listen to the Holy Spirit. And so we were to take time during the week, a a very special time to sit and listen to the Holy Spirit. Is there someone, Lord, that you're leading me towards? And is there other uh, sort of insights that you're giving me as I contact people, um, both inside the church and outside the church? uh, We're listening for the Holy Spirit for his guidance and his leadership. The second L was for learning Jesus. And so we were to take another time during the week when we would just be saturating ourselves in Jesus. And that was to read through Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, read the stories of Jesus in the Gospels. Not that we'd stop reading elsewhere in the Bible, but that we'd add to that this time of really focusing on Jesus. What was he like? What did he say? What did he do? How was he in the world? Just to be more uh, acquainted with, with Jesus, the Savior, right? So, and then the last S Uh, the S is for sent, that we are sent people out into the world, that we're not just meant to be here in this place, sort of cloistered and huddled up with our Christian friends like this, but we're sent out into the world. And I know this has been a challenge for each one of us. And I think that it's been a challenge because deep in our hearts, we desire for our friends to know Jesus the people who don't know Jesus yet. Deep in our hearts, we long for them to know the the peace of Christ in their life, the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, walking uh, through the difficulties of life, because we all face difficulties in this life. We long for this to happen. We want them to experience Christ and his Holy Spirit in them. And so in saying that, we're not saying that people are projects that we're only doing this just because a person's a project and want to get a notch on my belt for saving somebody, because we don't save anybody anyway, right? It's only the Holy Spirit who does that work. But um, we, 
we, in knowing this, we acknowledge that when Jesus came here to this planet, he left the comforts of heaven to come here into this broken place. And so for us to feel uncomfortable, we're leaving sort of the comforts of our little Christian huddle, and we're stepping out into the world where uh, we know people, uh, a lot of people don't know Jesus yet, and we're wanting to be a light out there. We're wanting to bless people there and to see what Jesus is going to do with that and to eat with people and spend time and tarry with them and see what Jesus will do with that and then be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, learning more of Jesus and see ourselves as, as missionaries, really, on a mission sent out into our world. And um, so I want to ask you, how do you feel you're doing on this? You don't have to reply. I'm just asking in your heart. How do you feel you're doing on this? Have you been able to like, bless more people and maybe eat with some more people over these last four or five weeks? And that may feel like an exam question. <laughs> and those of you who just lived through exams, it's kind of hard. So I'll tell you a story about an exam. There was a guy, ornithology. You know what ornithology is? Study of? Birds. So this guy loved birds, and he went to university and had took an ornithology course. And so he had learned, he had studied hard all through the whole thing, and when he came to the end of the course, there was a final exam, he came in, he sat down, and, and the professor said, okay, open your exams and begin. He opened his exams, his exam, and he had learned things about migration patterns and feeding patterns and all kinds of things. And in this exam, when he opened it up, it was stick figures of the legs and feet of birds. That's all it was. And uh, the pref on the thing, it said, uh, identify each one of these birds and tell uh, what kind of food do they eat and give their, their correct biological name. So this guy's looking at this thing. He says, I've studied this so hard. I know all this stuff, but how am I supposed to do this? So he says right out loud, he says, I can't believe that this is a final exam in this course. And the professor says, excuse me, son, but there's no talking in the exam. You're not allowed to say anything. So he goes back, he looks at the thing again, and he just can't figure it out. He says, I can't actually believe that a professor, says this out loud, I can't believe a professor would make an exam like this for students. Excuse me, son, but that's two, two strikes against you. If there's any more noise, you're out of here. So he's trying to, <laughs> he can't do it. So he finally says, I can't believe that this university would allow a professor to make an exam like this. And the professor says, okay, you're out of here, go. So he picks up, he starts walking out with his paper. He says, give me the paper, please. So he gives the paper to the prof, and the prof looks at it and he says, excuse me, son, but your name is not on this paper. And the guy goes, you figure it out. Sorry, I thought we needed a little levity this morning, okay? Do I need to do that? Never mind. So sometimes exams feel, don't they feel awful to us, honestly? They feel like, oh man, I know so much, but I don't know the way they're asking this question. I don't know how to do this. So sometimes asking, all right, we've been talking about how do we bless other people in our world? How do we make time to eat with other people. We eat 21 times, you know, anyway, three times seven every week, at least. 
So could we take one of those to eat with some other people? So, and yet it's a challenge, isn't it, for us to sort of upset the normal rhythm of life that we've had, and yet we know that we're called by God to be his people in the world to make a difference out there. And yet we're a lot more comfortable with just our Christian friends around here. I, I coached uh, high school basketball when I was a high school science teacher. I loved coaching basketball. And um, what I found was that our teams actually did better in our home court than they did out on the other court. And so I did a little research, and what I found out was that in university basketball, that 80% win on their home court. Did you know that? And the difference between a good team and a great team is how you play when you're not feeling like you're on your home court. We're equipped to handle everything on what we think is our home court, like here. We feel comfortable here. It's nice to be here. We're talking about Jesus. We're reading the Bible. We take the Bible very, very seriously as the word of God. We pray for one another. We love one another and so on. But for many of us, when we get outside of this, we feel uncomfortable like we're on foreign, foreign ground out there. And everything here is God's territory. It really is. God is at work everywhere. We heard just two weeks ago here from Angie that down at the next door space, which is one of the outreaches of this church, of Forest View Church, that a young woman had trusted Christ just a couple of weeks ago. That she'd come, she'd sort of volunteered for a while, she'd listened, she'd been in some Bible studies, and she came to the point, she said, you know what, I need Jesus. And she prayed and received Christ, and now she's being discipled and growing. God is on the move, and um, we want to be his people out in the world, making a difference in the name of Jesus. So here's the thing. Haddon Robinson, um, a wonderful preacher and author, he wrote this. Outsiders to the faith are first drawn to the Christian and then to Christ. Christians who are alive to God Loving, caring, laughing, sharing, involved at the point of people's needs. These people, these Christians, present an undeniable witness for Christ to society. Now, not one of us is perfect at this. I'm not. Ruth isn't. None of us is. Not one. But what we want to be doing is to move in this direction and to form these habits more and more so that we're more conscious of the fact that we're sent people out into the world and, and, and we're meant to bless others and to eat and spend time with others. And so um, I think what we've got up here, surprise the world, is what we've been studying and looking at a scriptural passage. So which the next thing comes up here? This is the passage of scripture we want to look at today. So I'm going to preach for about 20 minutes or so, and some of you say, he can't preach for 20 minutes. It's at least going to be 30, 40, but we'll give it a try, okay? And then we're going to do talking church, and I'm going to ask you at that point, how have you seen God at work as you've tried to step out in faith by blessing, eating with others, listening to the Spirit, learning more of Christ, and seeing yourself as a sent person? How have you seen Jesus at work in that way? Okay, so let's read this together, shall we? Would you stand for the reading of God's word? And um, 
We do this out of respect for God's word. We don't worship the Bible, but we worship the God who gave us the Bible. Does this make sense? This is the word of God. So let's read this together. Here we go. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Okay, be seated. Lord, we need your insight today as we look into your word, your sacred word. This event with Jesus really happened. These are really his words. And we want to learn from Jesus through your Holy Spirit at this time so that we become more and more a community where people meet Jesus and become more like Jesus. So help us just now, we pray, in that powerful name, the name that's above every other name, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Um, so, when we take a look at this story from, uh, from Matthew chapter 9, we see that Jesus went out into all the towns around the area, and we see that he's our example for reaching out to others, and uh, Jesus takes the initiative. He doesn't stand somewhere and wait for people to come to him. He comes. So, um, Jesus takes the initiative in meeting the needs of other people. So when he went out, it says that he talked with people, he preached to them. Uh, there's preaching and teaching that's mentioned in this passage, and it, which is really, uh, one is a very sort of formal thing, and the other is sort of an informal. So it's the proclaiming, he's conversing with people, and they're just talking about God, and uh, he's, but the thing is that he's out there, he's leading the way. So Jesus takes the initiative in meeting people. Now, he invites us to join him, and as we've been looking at, uh, you know, Surprise the World, to learn Jesus, to sit with him for a while, to really let him soak in or marinate, was the word we were using, to learn more of Jesus and for us to become more like him, we see that he went out and he invites us to join him, going out to talk with other people. We see opportunities as we contact other people. We see opportunities to meet the needs of other when others when we're actually with them. When we're in our own home watching Netflix, and I pick on Netflix again because, as I mentioned before, that's Ruth and my default. If there's nothing happening, we might watch a Netflix. Um, if, if we're just sort of holed up on our own, we're not seeing the needs of other people out there. But when we're with other people, we see those things. And so um, we could say, you know what, we're here. We have a church here. If people want to know Jesus, let them come here. That's not what Jesus did, right? He went out everywhere and he initiated and met with people. And so for us to go out, when we bless people, when we eat with other people, 
when we are listening to the Spirit and spending time with Jesus like this and see ourselves as sent people, when we contact them, we actually learn more about them and we see opportunities to help serve them and meet some of their needs. Um, the scripture says that he saw, um, when he saw the crowds, this is actually quite a powerful word that it went, he went out, he was perceiving. He actually looked at people. He saw what they were like. And what did he see? It tells us here. He saw uh, the crowds. He had compassion on them for they were like, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What did he see? He saw just ordinary men and women, just like all of us, the people that you work with, the kids you go to school with. He saw people who look very successful and nicely dressed and doing really well and everything. But when he perceived how they were actually doing he knew they were harassed and helpless. Every person out there is facing some kind of thing in their life that's a struggle. So we see opportunities also as we take time to be with other people in our world. The, you know, the third thing that I think is important here, we must do what's right before we feel motivated. Um... I think one of our problems is we want to feel motivated before we do what's right. We want to somehow, okay, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to wait for the Spirit to move me before I go and bless somebody or before I go and eat with somebody or something. I'm waiting for something. But um, the thing is this. In every position in life, in every situation that we're in, whether you're a student at school whether you're a business person or whether you're a mom and dad uh, trying to raise your kids or whether you're a husband and wife trying to keep your marriage growing and so on, if we wait until we feel motivated, we often don't do anything. Are you with me? But if we know what the right thing is to do and we don't feel like doing it, but we do it anyway, is this not where we find the Lord at work? Where we make our choices based upon principles rather than on how I feel at the moment. So this is true in sports, isn't it? Like if you want to be a runner, and every morning when you wake up, do I feel like running this morning? I don't think so. I'm just going to have a nap, right? <laughs> You're not going to be a, a good runner. But for people who get up and say, you know what? I know what I have to do. I don't feel like it today, but I'm going. Bang, there you go. And there's the discipline of it all. So um, somebody said this that effective, fruitful people do what is right and then they feel good about it afterwards. Ineffective, unfruitful people, they wait till they feel good before they do what is right. And often they don't feel good so they don't do what's right. This this, in effect, is the obedience that comes from faith. If you were to read Romans through, you'd see that it starts off with the idea, Paul says, I'm writing to you so that you will have the obedience that comes from faith. And then when he comes to the very end of the book of Romans, he says something very much like that. About the, it's the obedience that comes from faith that's so important. It's not just faith, it's not just feeling something, but it's the obedience that comes from faith. 
So anyway, we must do what's right before we feel motivated. So the business of being, how, how do I be a blessing to somebody? How do I make time to eat with somebody, etc., etc. Compassion is the one factor that qualifies us. So I say this because very often we'll say, oh, well, you know, yes, you have, uh, you have theological education. You went to seminary. It's okay for you. You can do that. The qualification is not Hebrew. It's not Greek. It's not any of those things. The qualification for every one of us in reaching out to touch the lives of other people is compassion. Jesus uh, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion is this very interesting word. It's not just a feeling. It's a feeling of compassion that leads to action. This is a really important differentiation. Com the compassion, as it's used in the scripture, is a feeling of caring for someone else. Their pain comes in our heart, but then we have to do something about it. That's what compassion is. So you know World Vision uh, ads that come on the TV? And you're watching this World Vision ad, and you see this little kid with flies in his eyes and a runny nose, and he's sitting there, and he's emaciated, and so on. You say, oh, that's so, oh, that hurts me to see that. And then you flick the channel to something else because it's a little too painful. That is not compassion. Compassion is when we feel something in our hearts and then we do something about it. So this is, this is the fact with, with Jesus challenging us, and I believe for Ruth and myself, sometimes we talk about this, do we really care for the people in our neighborhood? I mean, do, I, do we really love them as Jesus loves them to take time to try to bless them, to try to eat with them, to try to foster relationships with them, and so on. There was a woman in the Bible by the name of Dorcas, and the scripture says that she went everywhere doing good. <laughs> what a beautiful picture. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was all of us? Like, we're going everywhere doing good, blessing people, eating with people, doing everything we can in the name of Jesus. It's powerful. So, well, that's the thing then. Uh, Jesus takes the initiative in meeting the needs of others he calls us to join him and to do this. So what's the next slide that comes up here now? So Jesus calls us to serve and to speak, and that's the last couple of verses here. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers. It actually says to thrust out. It's actually kind of a move people, get them moving out there. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, so how do we do this? First of all, we pray. We pray. And we pray for those people in our world, and we ask the Lord, who do you have that you want me to reach out to in a compassionate way, to bless them, to eat with them, and so on and so forth? We, we pray, and we ask the Lord to go ahead of us in this thing and to do his work in the person's life, even to have a picture of the Holy Spirit hovering over that person's life and working there and going before us, or hovering over our neighborhood, and saying, Lord, who is it in our neighborhood who's got something, there's something, you're, you're sparking something in their life. And as we're talking to people, we find out over here, here's a person in crisis, actually. Oh, well, how can I pray for you then? And um, 
So we pray, first of all, asking the Lord for this kind of connection with people. The second thing, and this is what Jefferson really hit on last week, we see ourselves as a sent people. We're not meant to just be our little huddle here, right? Enjoying one another and all comfortable. But we are a sent people out into the world to make a difference in the name of Jesus. As a, uh, uh, yeah. See ourselves as a sent people to meet the needs of others. And the final thing there is, um, the final thing is you can read it, be the answer to our prayers. <laughs> if we're praying that the Lord is gonna send out more people into the harvest field, we're asking, Lord, so how do you wanna use me to touch the lives of people in, in, in my little world? Now, I wanna just go back for a moment and say this, that in, in the images that Jesus uses, they're agricultural, rural images about sheep and a shepherd. And when he says this, he's, he's not saying that sheep are stupid or dumb, or that people who don't know Jesus yet are stupid or dumb. What he's saying is that they are precious. Because if you were a shepherd, your sheep are precious to you. This is your income. This is your livelihood. So Jesus is saying these people, they're, they're sheep out there. They're precious people. Those who don't know Jesus yet are precious. And the same thing with the image of a harvest. You think, well, these are just things that need to be harvested or something like this. No, for a farmer, that crop in the field is not just something out there. It's his livelihood. It's precious to him to harvest that wheat or harvest that corn at the right time. It's not just a project. It's something very, very precious. And so I think this is important for us too. With our people in our world who don't know Jesus yet, they're not a project. Does this make sense? That they're not just, okay, I, I'm, I'm gonna get close to I'm gonna try to bless you and, and eat with you and because I want you to just eat, you know, become a Christian. If you don't become a Christian, I'm gonna drop you. It's like, I'm gonna bless you and eat with you because you're a precious person that God has made and I long for you to come to know Jesus in a personal way. I long for you to know Christ and the power of the resurrection in you and the eternal life that Jesus wants to give. But you're not just a project. I love you in the name of Jesus. I'm gonna walk with you. So here's the final point then, right here, that Jesus is the equipper. And this comes in chapter 10, verse one, the very next verse. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, gave him authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So you see here that there are gifts of speaking and gifts of doing. And I think I want to make the point that Jesus calls us to be people who go out and do good to those who are in our world, to find ways to bless them and relate to them and so on. But also to speak the words of Jesus when the time is right to hold up the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. That Christ came here from the glories and the comfort of heaven into our broken world to love us, to reach out to us. He became uncomfortable in order to win us. 
and that we also become uncomfortable in order to help win others for Christ. And so uh, this idea of him equipping us, it's compassion. Do we have compassion? Then we can relate to other people in our world. Now, this is terrifying for some people who are introverts, right? (laughs) You say, I don't know how to relate to other people. If I eat with them, what am I going to say? Well, uh, if you want some training, I'll be glad to do some training. Give me a call. We can talk about how to start a conversation, how to ask people about themselves. And very often, when you ask somebody about themselves, you don't have to carry the conversation anymore. People are glad to talk about themselves. It's really true. Okay, Jesus is our equipper. All right, I want to pause for a minute now. It's been about 20 minutes, has it? I don't know. I want to ask you, how have you seen God working and challenging you as you have tried to bless and eat, tried to spend time listening to the Holy Spirit, uh, learning more of Jesus by saturating in the Gospels, and to see yourself as a sent person? It doesn't have to be you know, a big, big win, but just how have, you feel, how have you felt challenged? What do you think God has been doing stirring up in you through this time? So here we go. We'll just leave it open here.